0: Hello, it's been a while. Uh, Welcome back to Impressionable with me, Becky Lee. I am currently walking. I'm walking to go (laughs) to the supermarket to get some stuff for dinner. And yeah, I'm kind of feeling a bit inspired and also feeling less reserved than I have been. I have a pretty big fear of being perceived Like someone's going to lift a curtain on me and it's going to be revealed that I'm an awful person and everyone's going to hate me or, I don't know, but this is entirely my problem. And I'm sure many people feel like that as well. Regardless, I've been keeping a couple of episodes in a bit of a vault and there's no reason why. Because they're really good episodes. (laughs) And the one that I'm going to start with today is especially amazing. But just before I talk about that, um, I just wanted to say about the delay with the podcast and Matthew is telling me that. Oh, for those of you who don't know, Matthew's my partner. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, I'm just laughing at how ridiculous I feel right now. But anyway, asking me, no, telling me, oh, people have been asking me like, what's happening with the podcast? Is it coming back? And I don't know if I just devalue my achievements or when I see, you know, that people are listening, I just don't believe that that's to be true, when in fact it is. And this is feeling very, woe is me. And that's not the case. Um, It's just a couple of reasons of things have been going on. Firstly, I haven't had the emotional capacity. Every time I go to, to edit or Send an email out to invite someone on. There's so many people that I want to speak to. I just feel completely incapable. Uh, and that's a shame. But I think I'm overcoming that. And the second reason is I have no money. (laughs) Uh, living here in France. Actually, the weather's fucking gorgeous right now. Also a bit concerning because it's still January. But, oh gosh, my little breath. I'm walking up a hill. Um, but I actually have no money um, and I fund the podcast entirely by myself I pay for the software um, I had a microphone which I borrowed which actually, sorry Bruno if you hear this I haven't given you it back yet but I do have it still um, but it's not with me and friends and so I just feel like I'd just be delivering a load of shit which is why it's okay for me to give you these episodes from the vault but I'm gonna try and pick up an old job that I had uh, teaching English and hopefully that will mean I'll get some money on my card uh I'm really not exaggerating also you might not even care but anyway that's why it's been a while and I actually do miss doing them so I think I'm gonna start it up again as soon as I can but for now please enjoy This amazing episode, lots of love. Welcome back to Impressionable. Uh, This week I'm joined by Trang Nova. Hello
1: Rebecca, thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm delighted to be here. I'm
0: so excited to speak to you. We've had a journey to get here but I'm so excited to finally have you on.
1: (laughs) Yeah for sure like you know what the time is just meant to be when it's meant to be and here we are we're going to have a fabulous conversation I'm sure. Oh my god
0: I love the positive energy already. Um, and for those who don't know you, can you give a bit of an intro to who you are and what you get up to? For sure.
1: I love this question because every time I answer it, I actually answer it differently. Because there are so many different parts of me. Like, you know, what comes to mind right now is, you know, obviously I am a mentor and speaker. For women who are hungry to pivot and build their dream business of impact uh, and ultimately like fulfill their purpose and potential. Uh, but also like I'm, I'm living and traveling abroad at the moment. So I am also an adventurer. I'm also a traveler. I'm also, you know, a friend, a daughter, a sister, like essential goddess, I would say <laughs> as well. And like just all the different things that make up me and i'm starting to really own and introduce myself as all of these things Mm. because our profession isn't the only thing that we are um and all of us is so beautiful and needs to be honored
0: oh 100 percent! i love it when people don't introduce themselves based on what they do rather like who they are i i agree completely yeah Yeah. And
1: I forgot to mention, here's another one that I've really been leaning into. I'm a rebel as well. (laughs) Like I'm such a rebel. I've been calling myself a high achieving rebel because yes, like I, I, I'm quite meticulous with my work and with my habits and stuff, but in so many other ways, I like to break the rules and I don't want to stay between the lines.
0: I love that. I love that so much. I always say like, if I could go back and talk to my younger self, I would say be more naughty, like actually just make cause more trouble.
1: Yes, yeah, it's the way <laughs> it
0: really is <laughs> so the question that I ask everyone that I need to ask you to start off the podcast is what's something that's made an impression on you recently?
1: Mm. Oh, this is a good question.
0: you know what
1: what's made a real impression on me recently is actually a cat. So one cat has actually inspired me recently and I obviously need to give the context to this. So uh, I'm living, I'm from Australia, uh, born and raised in Australia, but I'm currently living in Bali. And like many other Southeastern Asian countries, there are so many cats and dogs, like a lot of like strays and then a lot that are adopted as well. And I've made a friend with this incredible uh, local here who has such a big heart that they have adopted 12 cats and they have 12 cats. And every time I go over to their house, it's like a cat cafe pretty much. Um, And the thing with observing 12 different cats is that they all have their own behaviors Mm. and most of them hang around the house and most of them stay in that vicinity of home. But there is one particular cat and her name is (laughs) Avocato. And she is interesting. I didn't meet her until very recently because she is never at home. Like she will just disappear for months at a time. And then she'll come back and then She'll kind of just come back when she's pregnant and she needs a home base to give birth to like nur- uh, nurse her, her kittens. And then once her kittens wean off breastfeeding, she disappears again for another few months. And I met Avocado and I was like, you inspire me, girl, <laughs> because what this shows is that it, it's like an animal who is permitting us humans to have the freedom to live our lives the way that we want because there are cats who want to be at home and they want to stay in a safe shelter and they want to be in the familiarity. And that is amazing. Like, if that's what you want to do, then do that. But then for me, because I am such a free spirit, like I'm such a rebel, I was like, Avocado, you are my spirit animal. <sighs> like, I love that, you know, we can make, create our own rules and live our life how we want to. Mm. So. Yeah, avocado the
0: cat. Oh my god, all hail avocado! I with <laughs> this cat as well. She sounds very inspirational, and I love that. <laughs> I love that she's a spirit animal. I get that free spirit vibe from you already.
1: <laughs> I love that.
0: So I wanted to ask a bit more about what you do and how, like, talk about the journey. How have you gotten here? Because obviously, it's kind of off the beaten track career-wise. It's not your traditional nine five. You're also traveling. How did you get here?
1: Mm, This is a full story (laughs) and it's pretty whack. So everyone buckle in. Uh, My story has not been straightforward. Uh, I started out with the conventional pathway of finishing school, going to university graduating with uh, a master's of physiotherapy. So that's what I did. I was in the sports and the health industry. And I started working for a few years as a physiotherapist. And I generally thought I was happy and doing well and, and comfortable until one particular morning when I was 24 years old. So this was four years ago now. What happened this morning was I had gotten up to go for a run. And when I stepped out onto the sidewalk to begin, I hear a crunch and I'm like, what's that? What's going on? I look down and it turns out I'd stepped on a snail. Now, this isn't the first time that this has happened before. And I'm sure that many of you have also accidentally done this. But like for some reason on this morning, I couldn't stop thinking about the facts that I had stepped on this snail. I couldn't stop thinking about it. And what I noticed was I felt guilty that me just doing my own thing, going for a run on this day at this time, I'd caused such an effect on something outside of me. Mm. In this case, I had killed something. And this got me thinking for the remainder of that run, for the months that followed. And I started to see the bigger picture, that as one individual, every single decision that I make, has an impact. It has a flow and effect. And I started to recognize, like it was like a veil that had been taken out from in front of my eyes. I started to recognize that I have a huge footprint. Uh, like it's funny because we all get taught this. Like we know this at an intellectual level. But for the first time in my life, it emotionally landed for me. It was like the dots had connected and I really felt the magnitude of how much of an impact every single one of my decisions have, like how much of a footprint my existence has. Mm. So this actually didn't make me feel good because I started to see how I was contributing to all of the problems that are out there in this world, like all of the large scale problems or the flow and effects that I, uh, my existence has that goes beyond what I'd ever witnessed and what I'd ever even know about. Mm. Um, So I was like, oh my gosh, like I've got such an impact. But at the same time, I'm just one person. Like I'm so insignificant. Mm. I, I feel so helpless. And I started to think about ways that I could have more of an impact, and I wanted to expand, and I wanted to become more and do more than uh, just working in the realm of sport and just working in the realm of uh, helping people with their pains and and their fitness. Um, I felt like I wanted to use my lifetime, and in particular my profession, to have more of an impact. So. I was confused what I should do because I was like, I know that I want to have more of an impact, but how? And I remember asking my business mentor at the time, like, what should I do? Should I do more volunteering? Should I start a non-for-profit? And I remember what he said was so profound. He was like, Trang, you want to make a difference, right? Well, what if the you don't have to be on the front lines to make a difference? Like, what Imagine if you were in war times. You could become a doctor and work in the hospitals to help the soldiers, right? So be on the front lines. But could you also make a difference by being the person who steps away from the action and ends the war? (sighs) And I was mind blown because I was like, oh my God, this is it. I don't have to just be on the front lines treating the symptoms. I can also be the person who treats the root cause of the problem.
0: Mm.
1: So, so it's not just the volunteering. It's not just doing the activism. It could also be utilising my skills that I had developed through my university and my current profession to inspire and influence people and help them raise their levels of consciousness um, because how I saw it was all these Different problems like humanitarian environmental uh you know all like all the you know wildlife animal welfare, all these different problems are different strokes of the same wheel, and the core of that wheel is human consciousness mm. that's how I saw it um, because yeah humans have so much power the world is currently in the hands of humanity so if i if more people became conscious more heart centered more purpose centered then I could see more individuals levelling up, humanity levelling up and thriving, and then therefore the world thriving for all forms of life and future generations. So that's when I stopped doing just the sports work and then I started doing mindset and life coaching. I started doing more business mentoring so that people could then serve their purpose through the vessel of business.
0: That's so cool and so interested, and I have so many questions, which takes me off of the podcast plan. So I apologize. Something (laughs) that we We did say, we did say this could be a three-hour
1: conversation, didn't we?
0: Oh gosh, um, so I apologize in advance. I'm sure we'll get through them, but you know, something that you were saying that struck me is like, how did you deal with like that dichotomy of The butterfly effect and you know all these choices having like such magnitude but at the same time the constant messaging of like you know what I'm gonna do won't make a difference like do you ever get people that come to you and they're like oh I'm vegan for example but like I can't save the world by just me being vegan do you know what I mean
1: oh absolutely because that was my journey Mm -hmm. um the day that I stepped on that snail the most, the first connection that I formed in my head was, oh my God, I feel so guilty about this once now, yet I eat meat mm-hmm. and dairy every single day. So I actually went vegetarian. I did go vegan and I felt the weight of that responsibility. I felt like I could never do enough. And the pain of imagining the suffering that's out there felt, like it was crushing me every single day. Mm -hmm. And I actually remember there were days where I just felt so apathetic about doing anything because I was like, what's the point? Mm -hmm. Like, what's the point of any of this? There's just so much suffering and devastation out there. I just feel so hopeless. And, you know, I just like, yeah, what's even the point of trying? Uh, And I went all the way down that side of the spectrum where I just, yeah, like, was crying and just you know lost in my emotions, and then I remember having a conversation with my then partner sharing this with him because he knew that he noticed that I was just not in a good place, so this is why I call this my quarter life crisis. It was like this real emotional spiritual crisis uh and I remember he said, Well, you know the reality is this is happening out there right now, you know like it's already happening, so Whether or not you do something, it is the current reality. It is the present. What if you were to do everything that you could within your lifetime? What if you were to do everything with the power that you have? You might not be able to change the world overnight, and that is the reality that you've got to face. But what if you could make the world just that little bit better Mm -hmm. because you existed? And that lifted me out of this dark place because I was like, okay, well, if I were to give up, then nothing is going to change. Like if I were to do something that is going to be better than nothing. So then that got me from feeling helpless to feeling empowered Mm. that sure, I, I can't change everything, but I can do my part and my part is the best that I can do.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I think when you feel like you're taking action, it can kind of squash some anxiety that you might have around the environment or, yeah, what's going on in the world. So I completely agree. And something I also wanted to talk to you about was this idea of like a heart's purpose that you talk about and how we can connect to Mm. it. I feel kind of like, are all these things intellectual exercises? Do I just need to like think really hard? And I'm going to come up with the answer. Or is it more of an like a exploration, trying different things? Or am I completely off entirely?
1: Both, actually. It's, I believe it is a confluence of all the different dimensions. So intellectual, understanding ourselves more, like knowing what our strengths are, what our passions are, what we enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, also through action. Um, because we can hypothesize as much as we want, but we'll never know what the future can look like. We'll never know what an alterna- alternative reality will feel like and will be like. So until we take action and try something, like only then we will know, mm, this isn't for me or, oh my gosh, like this is it. I love this. So there is taking action as well. And then there's also the emotional aspect. And this is one that really did it for me because what ended my quarter life crisis wasn't specifically like taking action or it wasn't even thinking. It was actually through a visualization process where I surrendered to my instincts. I surrendered to kind of my emotional, spiritual intelligence, you could say, or that part of me. And in this visualization, I just, Went deep into this subconscious trance state. And I imagined when I get to the end of my life, when I'm in my recliner chair, 85 years old, and I look back over my lifetime, what is it that I needed to have become? Mm. What is it that I needed to have contributed and done and achieved in order for me to move on from this life with peace? Fulfillment and love, mm. and that gave me so much clarity because at this point I was about one and a half. Oh, it was about one year into this quarter life crisis. So a whole year of just going back and forth, knowing that I want to do more, but also being held back by fear and uh, all the different like logist- logistical aspects of changing careers and starting a business. And what I saw was that my current path was not it. Mm. Me continuing to going into work every day and just teaching people how to do like wrist exercises for their forearm muscles or how to squat just to get the booty a little bit perkier. Yes, there's a role for that. And I think there are people who are extremely passionate about that. And that's wonderful. We need that. But for me, that wasn't it. And I saw so clearly that if I were to continue doing this, I would just go deeper into this self disconnect and this self um, loathing place because I just know that there is more. So I (laughs) saw that and just became so clear. And then on the other side, I saw myself doing everything that I can, you know, impacting and spreading a message and creating ripples of change in this world. So when I came out of this visualization, I was like, I know what I need to do it's so clear and nothing matters anymore not my fear of judgment not my fear of failure not my fear of anything like i know what i need to do and that wasn't specifically like me trying it was the it was the accumulation of just yeah living trying different things thinking about things planning things talking to different people and then after a year it got to that tipping point where i could do this emotional spiritual uh, visualization that I give to my clients, and it is so powerful. Like, I've had clients who've had revolutionary um awakenings from this one visualization, too. And yeah, that was the tipping point of everything just has clicked, and I know what I need to do.
0: Yeah. How did you manage to kind of separate yourself from the noise of others, though? Because a lot of the times, if I want to make a change, I'm always like, oh, what will my parents think about this what will my friends think about this you know and I guess when you make those big changes those opinions can start to seep in
1: Mm, 100% and this is I dare say one of the most common reasons that hold us back Mm. so my answer to this and there are a few different ways but the the big thing that will make a a major shift in how we uh, separate ourselves from the noise is actually getting to know ourselves so intimately that the noise just doesn't pierce through our shield anymore. And what I mean by that is imagine that you're really tall. Like imagine that you're like a model and you're 190 centimeters or something, right? Like you know you're tall. It is objectively clear that on the bowel curve you are above average <laughs> in height. But imagine if if someone was like to you, ah. Oh, like you're so short (laughs) like it just wouldn't make sense right like their words just wouldn't touch you because you're like cool story like I know I'm tall what do you want yeah (laughs) and then and then it becomes more about them than Mm -hmm. us right it's like we know we're tall but I don't know what you're seeing but there's something going on there that for you to think that I'm short (laughs) So the reason why I share that example is because that can be the case for every aspect of our lives. If we get to know ourselves and we meet ourselves so intimately in terms of our purpose, in terms of our values, in terms of our belief systems, what we believe is true and what we believe is right or wrong, then we can follow that path with our head held high. And even when other people judge us, even when other people have different expectations or question us or give us differing advice, then we can stand our grounds with conviction. Mm-hmm. And I've really noticed this because at the start of my journey, when I was going from a university qualified profession to Mindset coaching, <laughs> like I had so many insecurities about it, so many. And I remember early on when I was first transitioning, I had clients dropping off like you know dead flies. Like clients were messaging me and being like, "Hey, I, I love what you're doing and good on you, but this just isn't for me, Trang. So I'm going to cancel my my subscription. I'm going to cancel mm-hmm. my my membership with you." And at the start, that just fed into my insecurities. But as I started to become more convicted in my vision and my mission, then I was like, what I'm doing is what's going to change the world. So then when people ask me, oh, so what do you do, Trang? Then I can be like, I am a life and a mindset and a business mentor. And I say it so confidently and Mm -hmm. I can observe the significant difference from early on to now. So I'd say get to know yourself and and become real aligned in your actions and in your decisions to your truth.
0: Hundred percent. As you were saying that, I was wondering what the benefits of like having a mindset coach is. So, like for my listeners, who like who's the perfect client? Like who who tends to come to you? Who is like the people that are like, hey, I think I'd really benefit from coaching. What are they usually looking for, and what can you? what do you give or what do mind coaches in general give back?
1: Mm, yeah, that's a good question. And I want to preface this by saying, yeah, like I am a little bit biased in that, in this, because of course I am, you know, a coach and a mentor, but the reason why I believe in this industry and I believe in this work so deeply is because I have received the benefits from it. No, mm. you know, like when I first started, I was seeking a business mentor because I I didn't understand like this mindset life coaching industry. So I was seeking a business mentor and it turned out that they were also life and mindset intertwined because, you know, your business is actually an extension of you and it can never outgrow your mindset and your uh, standards for yourself. So it's very much intertwined. Um, And when I did the work with him, it felt like I had taken that pill from Limitless. You know the movie Limitless where I think it's like Bradley Cooper, like he takes the pill and then he just starts seeing, uh, he's hearing colours and seeing sounds. That's how it felt for me. And I can say 100% if I didn't do that work, I wouldn't have a business today. I wouldn't even have a business, let alone be travelling and working and just loving what it is that I'm doing. I would still be in my physio job. Yeah. I, I know that for sure. So to answer your question directly, who is it for? The, the women who come to me are the ones who know they're made for more. Mm. And sometimes it starts with a very subtle feeling. It's like this little pull, this little inkling of like, is this it? Mm. I, I know that I want more. I know that I can do more. I just don't know what or I don't know how. So those two aspects, because I was so confused, I like have really honed in on how to get clear on our direction and our next steps in life. And that's the first step. We've got to know like what mountain we're climbing before we climb it. Otherwise, we work our asses off our whole lives to climb that mountain only to get to the top and realize that we climbed the wrong mountain. So the first step is getting clear on what our heart's purpose really is what our mission and and what it is that we are here for Mm. and then the 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 next part is of course the how because once we know what we want the next hurdle is oh my gosh but how do I get there and for a lot of women who I speak to and you know I've I've been doing this for quite a few years now I'm gonna say it's like 80 percent of women what they say holds them back the most is their lack of confidence. Mm. So maybe it's the fear of the judgment, like we were talking about before, fear of failure, just fear of not belonging in this industry, fear of not being good enough, fear of being a fraud, um, as well as, of course, the strategy of how to sustainably and viably change careers, start a business, grow a business, um, and all of those aspects. So I love to work at the core of who you are as a person in terms of your mindset, in terms of your uh, being and then also the the practical strategic aspects as well because yeah just coming from a scientific background like yeah I, I love the actual tangible aspects
0: yeah definitely and now I'm like god do I need the magic some but I've always felt that like I, I just told you before that we, I everyone all my listeners know this as well like I'm moving to France it's like a big thing that's happening in my life like a Huge change, like a complete overhaul. Um, but I was like, yeah, maybe I, maybe I do this move, and then kind of like, I don't know. It was the plan was to do the deep work while I'm away, and then kind of come back with a little, hopefully, a bit more sense of direction.
1: Wow, that's an exciting move. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, like, and if there's something that I've learned because I've been living and traveling abroad Mm -hmm. for the last four months, oh my gosh travel and new countries and new cultures are the best teacher it is Mm. the biggest like the school of life nothing can beat (laughs) the school of life Um, and it is just an incredibly expansive journey in every single way so this is very exciting
0: thank you thank you i i also wanted to ask you a bit about self-discipline and how you know if we're using the analogy of the mountain Mm. what keeps us from climbing because there's points where you like you know you reach your head and you're like nah this is too hard I like the I like the straight path where it's an easy walk how do we yes encourage people to just like keep pushing is it about self-discipline is there times that you can let go what what's going on
1: Mm, okay I love this this is a big one. <laughs> um I'll I'll t- try to keep it succinct as much as possible. Um but starting with I am a big fan of self-discipline. Um so even though like I said I'm a rebel, I'm a free spirit and I have all those aspects to my life, but I also have the discipline aspects. And I do believe that discipline other than being like a practice to get the results that you want, other than it being like our form of personal mastery which is the one thing that we have full autonomy over. So if we can't even, as adults, master ourselves, then what else are we doing? You know, what else can we do if we can't even master ourselves? Um, but the big thing with self discipline is that it's a form of self respect. Mm. It's like if you respect your mum, then you're going to keep a promise that you make to your mum, right, because you respect your mum and you're not going to let her down. You're not going to just like flippantly be like, oh, yeah, like I'll do this for you tomorrow, and then you just like forget about it and don't do it. So if we want to respect ourselves, then we've got to treat ourselves in the same way. And if we don't and we keep breaking promises that we make to ourselves, then we're going to start to have a view of ourselves that we are not important, that we are not worthy, that we are not trustworthy and then we no wonder we don't trust ourselves and we don't respect ourselves. Mm. So self-discipline, very important. Now in terms of like climbing the mountain and staying on track, the thing that I have found a lot of people – do kind of wrong is that they just focus on the discipline side of things. So an easy example is, let's talk about diet because it's such a tangible uh, habit, right? It's a life tangible lifestyle factor. A lot of people, they want to eat better and healthier. And in order to do that, they focus on making changes in their diet. So they focus on cutting out carbs or reducing their portion sizes or whatever it might be. But then how we know that most diets fail. So what's going on there? Well, the thing is, in terms of our behaviors, our behaviors are not just our behaviors. Our behaviors are the final product of eight different filters, you could say, of our subconscious mind. And this is a little bit complicated, but I just want to kind of share that these different filters will affect our behaviours. So some of these filters are our values, our beliefs, uh, the environment that we perceive, our identity, uh, our language that we use. So those are some examples. And if I were to use identity as an example, our identity is something that is very strong. How we see ourselves is something that very much dictates our behaviours. So if we subconsciously see ourselves as someone who, yeah, like breaks promises for ourselves or we, we literally call ourselves a procrastinator. I was talking to someone the other day and they were joking about how all of their friends know that they're the biggest procrastinator out there. And they're like, yeah, I'm such a procrastinator. Well, right there, you've identified as a procrastinator. So Mm -hmm. what do you think is going to be part of your day-to-day routines? Mm -hmm. Like you're going to be procrastinating Mm because it just makes sense to the brain to do the thing that you are. So that's an example of identity. And when it comes to diet, like there are people who identify as like, you know, I've got a binge eating habit or I've like, I am a binge eater or I am, you know, like I just can't help myself. Like I love, I love junk food. I love oily food and that that's how they see themselves. So then it becomes very hard to change that because that's just who they are or environment as well. Like environment, of course, if you have junk food in your pantry all the time, or you've got like McDonald's next door, or you've got the Uber Eats app, like on the, Oh, I don't know if you've got Uber Eats uh, where you are, but like food delivery app on the front page of your home screen then that's not going to be facilitating a change in your diet. So to summarise all of that, what we've got to do is we've got to not just focus on our behaviours in terms of discipline. It's not just about um, being strict with ourselves. It's about creating all of the supporting structures from a subconscious level to allow alignment and long-term change.
0: Mm, 100 percent, and also what you were saying, something that I've been really thinking about recently is like the messages that we give ourselves, the the impact that that can have on the way that we live our lives. Like as you said, like if you continue to tell yourself that like,, oh, I'm just someone that doesn't eat well, then you just keep reaffirming and keep reliving that belief, or if you're like, "Oh no, I really look after my body, then you start to enact on those behaviors. You know what? It's so powerful.
1: Yeah, it really is. Like another example is think about people who smoke. Mm. We know that quitting smoking is extremely challenging because there's literal neurotransmitter uh, aspects that create the addiction. And people who quit smoking, what do they often do? They usually identify as an ex-smoker. They they literally say, oh, no, I I won't smoke. I'm an ex-smoker. But what is one of the key words in that identity still? Smoker. Like smoker. That word is still in their reality of their subconscious mind. Mm -hmm. So every Friday night when they're out with friends and all their friends are smoking and keep offering them a cigarette, at some point it could happen that they're going to just give in because smoking and being a smoker is actually still part of their identity. Versus if they just switched it around completely. And that's kind of what you were saying before, Rebecca, just like getting rid of that identity completely, like not even identifying as an ex-smoker, but identifying as a healthy person, Mm. as, I don't know, if they're exercising more, identifying as an athlete, identifying as a clean person, like however you want to call it, just like focus on where you were headed versus where you used to be.
0: Mm, So true. And it's it's so interesting because I think – I probably on the wrong side of the internet where you know manifestations and affirmations and stuff are seen as like a bit woo woo you know a bit like out there but then when you think yeah. about it practically and you think about no I should act like the person that I want to become I should you know give yourself these positive messages I'm like guys, it's legit like this legit I think could work
1: Uh uh-huh there's scientific evidence Mm -hmm. to this so and like coming from a scientific background i wanted to understand how this works i wanted to make sure that this just wasn't i know some bs that was circulating and yeah there is scientific evidence to this because like yeah even just everything that we understand about the world we must first perceive and filter through our mind I mean, think about it. Everything that you understand about the world isn't actually the world. It is your interpretation of the world. Mm -hmm. So of course, everything starts with your mind. Everything starts with your internal filtering system. So those eight filters that I mentioned before, um, and that's something that I teach my clients because I think awareness is really important. Like being aware of those filters and then being able to consciously start to adjust these filters so that we perceive the world and we interact with the world in a whole different way
0: yeah I think as you said relating back to what you said earlier knowing yourself intimately is such a powerful tool um and I also wanted to ask you about like how you mentioned you can kind of create your dream life by starting at the end is this kind of what Mm. you've already been talking about
1: Yeah, pretty much. Because like, yeah, a lot of people, they think about what they want now, right? And what they want now is, you know, as someone who's probably like, who could be living with their parents, who might be like struggling to pay the bills, they just want money. And then they will do anything it takes to get money. But then that becomes a vicious cycle of just reacting to our current life situation, we're just reacting, we're just managing problems as they come up versus going the other way around what I mentioned before, you know, starting with the end and asking ourselves, okay, if we were to get to the summit of the mountain and we know that that summit needs to make us feel happy, fulfilled, at peace, um, you know, joyful, and we ask ourselves, what does that view look like? Then we can get out of that cycle of just reacting in our lives and we can start creating our life. So starting with the end means asking ourselves, like at the end of our lifetime, what is it that we want to become? Uh, What did we want to contribute to this world? What did we want to achieve? And then working backwards from there. And sure, sometimes you might not have all the answers, right? Like it's a very broad concept. I totally get that. But if you do this regularly enough and you start to get to know yourself more, then it becomes clearer. The clouds start to break apart and the view becomes clear and then you can identify this is the view that I know I want to live my life with.
0: Mm-hmm. i love that i feel so inspired i can't even begin to tell you i'm like like honestly like incredibly inspired by you and i don't know we have to wrap up the podcast soon but i have a couple more questions yeah so you talk about like the th- the thriving three i would love mm. to learn more about that before we have to wrap it up
1: yeah for sure so the thriving three are the three dimensions that i um base my coaching around. And these are the three dimensions that I believe we need to truly thrive in our lives. And if any pillar is missing, if any dimension is missing, then we're not going to be able to completely thrive. So those three pillars are the body, the mind, and the heart. So the reason why I came up with this is because w- during my personal training days, I noticed that I could give two different clients the exact same program, but they would get different results.
0: Mm.
1: It's like what why? Well, one client might be completely empowered and resilient and they don't come up with excuses and they will do what it takes to achieve their results. But the other client might be less believing of themselves they don't see themselves as worthy and then because of that if they have one bad day then they spiral and then they have a hard time jumping back onto the program so then that showed me that you know just doing the work like just trying to be disciplined or just trying to force action isn't the only aspect it's also the mind as well yeah we've got to create the a resilience and a robust mental system and intellectual system as well, so that we can strategize towards where we want to go. So I was like, okay, cool, the body and the mind really important. But then my quarter life crisis is what then activated the third pillar. Mm. Because I noticed all of these people out there who were great in their body in terms of like physical health, or also taking action and working hard. um, They're great in their body, they're great in their mind, and they have success because of that. But why are so many CEOs and millionaires still unhappy, still unfulfilled, having a midlife crisis, have all the money in the world, but, you know, just in a dark place. And that's because of the pillar of the heart. You need to have that aligned to your heart's purpose. You need to have meaning to what you do. You need to be in touch with your emotions so that you can express them and move through them rather than just bypassing emotions and just pretending that you're okay until it piles up and then you find yourself in a really dark place. Mm. So the body, the mind and the heart are what I believe that we all need to develop for us to thrive in our lives. And often we're going to be developed and really strong in a couple of these pillars. And then one or two of them need a little bit more loving. And for me, that was a pillar of the heart. And, you know, I'd been a hard worker my whole life. That's how I was raised. I'd always had a pretty resilient mindset because, you know, being the daughter of immigrant parents, getting bullied when I was young, like I kind of had to develop a bit of a harder mind, but i did not know how to connect with my emotions. I didn't understand that I had the choice to do to do work and to live a life that was meaningful. I just did what I was told. So that's what created this quarter-life crisis, which was really a blessing because it's led me to where I am today.
0: A hundred percent. And I think your journey's incredible. And I honestly just know that you're going to be just, you're already so successful, and I'm just plenty, plenty more success in your pipeline, too. And and my final question is what impression would you like to leave on the world?
1: Mm. Oh, I love this. My impression that I want to leave onto the world is an impression of empowerment and self. Love and self worth to go out there and to live your best life while also having an impact on this world. Uh, I believe that we have so much potential. Like we're in 2023, women in this era have more opportunity, more intelligence, more education, more abundance, more finances, more freedom than ever before we have access to so much so let's utilize that let's go out there and live our best life we can so why not we've got this one life so we've got to do it
0: yes reach completely (laughs) honestly and if people want to find you and reach out where can they do so
1: Yes. Um, so I am Trang Nova on most platforms. If you want to go to Instagram, that's where I am most active. That's at trang underscore nova. And my website where you can um, see everything that I do is trangnova.com.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much. You know, I'll probably personally be reaching out when when I have money. P- past my big friend spend when i've created <laughs> i'm gonna manifest coming into loads of money and then i will use it all to have <laughs> from you
1: <laughs> i love that yes like go and enjoy France, go and live it up um and that in itself is going to be the best school of life like yeah i'm excited for you perfect thank you
0: so so much again thank you, so thank so you rebecca impressionable if you liked us there are plenty more episodes to listen to that are equally as great. And thank you so much again to Trang. You were amazing. And yeah, if you liked us, you can rate us five stars too. Or any reviews that you write, I will read them out, of course, to show my gratitude. And that's all from me for now. If I make any more money, which I hope I do, um, and I can pay for the software to record, maybe I can find a way around it. Anyway, I'll be back um hopefully that's good news to you and yeah I'll see you when I see you lots of love bye